What's up, Liberty Lovers? Today's show is sponsored by our friends at Ammo.com. There's nothing more American than ordering a stockpile of ammunition and having delivered right to your doorstep. But you know what? It gets even better than that. Not only does Ammo.com deliver sweet, beautiful packages of ammunition right to your door, they're also run by libertarians. In fact, you can read an awesome article on their site right now that I've linked to on the show notes page called Locked Up, How the Modern Prison Industrial Complex Puts So Many Americans in Jail. And you know what? It gets even better than that. When you buy at ammo.com, 1% of every single sale, that's gross sale, not net, goes to a libertarian cause of your choosing that you get to pick at checkout. And the best part, the kicker, through the link ammo.com slash Lions of Liberty, you get $20 off your order of 200 or more. So support this show, help to spread the ideas of liberty, and buy some ammo to defend your personal liberty. Bam. What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Liberty. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Uh, Felony Friday, of course, is the only show that focuses each and every week on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. And man, oh man, do we have one heck of an injustice to talk about today. We're going to be talking about the case of Schaefer Cox. And I have two guests who are joining me to go through that case and show exactly what happened. One of my guests has known Schaefer Cox for a long time, well before any of this stuff went down uh, and Schaefer was arrested. And my other guest is an expert in the area and has done hours upon hours upon hours of hundreds of hours of research into this Schaefer Cox case. I'll introduce them in just a minute. Before I do that, I just want to let you guys know that Felony Friday is not the only show on Lines of Liberty. That's right. We have two other shows on this fantastic variety show platform, the OG variety show in the Libertarian Podcasting Circuit. We are the original. We have a show every Monday our longest-running show, our flagship program, hosted by Mark Clare. Mark interviews leaders in the Liberty Movement and hosts roundtable discussions. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams. It's your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty. And you you definitely want to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, so you don't miss a beat. You don't want to miss a single one of these episodes, single one of these shows that we have here. And after you do that and you listen to shows for a while and you love it, you, we get the old thumbs up. What you want to do next, if you want to hear more content, you want some bonus content, we have a bunch of stuff we publish um, every month. We have a couple of recurring shows that we do, one called Conspiracy Corner, that is just bonus content, one called Degenerate Gamblers, that's bonus content. We have uh, extra content with guests that we publish all the time, and you can get access to that 
by becoming a Patreon, by going to uh, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty, tossing us just $5, get you all our content. Of course, if you give us a little bit more, you get some more stuff. You get merchandise at the $25 level. You get a monthly call with us. Lots of great stuff. So be sure to check that out. Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Let's get rolling right into today's episode. Today on Felony Friday, I have two guests. We're going to be talking about the Schaefer-Cox case. And if you aren't familiar with the case, if you've heard nothing of the injustice that Schaefer-Cox is currently suffering, then you've come to the right, the right place today. We're going to be talking about that. But if you are familiar with it, uh, you still come to the right place because this is going to be a deep dive and you're going to be hearing about a lot of details about this case that probably you haven't heard anywhere else. I'll be introducing two guests. First off, I want to introduce Jacob Schreffler. Jacob, uh, welcome to Felony Friday. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, John. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. And I think you reached out to me, I got about a month ago, I think. And, you know, I, I told you, I, rem- I remembered reading about Schaefer's case and I hadn't looked into the, into the details. I hadn't heard uh, recent updates, which is uh, remiss on my part because uh, we talked on the phone and you brought me up to speed, sent me a, a bunch of links to do some research. And I wanted to have you on to, uh, to talk through this case. So thanks for coming on. Okay, well, uh, I guess the first thing that we need to start with is uh, we'll introduce uh, Brian Christie. Uh, Brian Christie was uh, a friend of Schaefer Cox. Uh, why don't you tell us about yourself, Brian? Yeah, I'm a friend of Schaefer Cox, and I was uh, a witness to the whole thing as it came down years ago. And I knew what was going on, what the media was saying about him, and what he was supposed to have been doing was not quite true. and. And it was a big setup because he was running around the countryside having town hall meetings and Alaska and several different states exposing corruption, a lot of corruption going on in the uh, state, local governments, of course, federal, state, everywhere it is, you know. But uh, so, Schaefer was a libertarian, right? And he was running for a uh, Republican Party and the Alaska State House in Fairbanks. Isn't that right? Yeah, he was running for state house in, in Fairbanks, and he he got 38% of the vote in a three-way race at 24 years of age. He was homeschooled. He's a brilliant guy. And I met him one day. He was uh, working. I saw him doing some carpenter work, and I just got talking to him. And eventually, he came over and put a dozen new windows in my apartment building that I had at the time. And, and I got talking to him more and found out he is the most the most brilliant guy to talk to about the founding of the United States, et cetera, the way things, the founding fathers, what they went through and why this is this way it is. And, and I was impressed with him, you know, and I, I knew some of it, but this guy knows way more than I do. And, uh, so he started being attacked for what he, he was saying, exposing. And, uh, the FBI came in here, set him up and he was, they were going to eliminate the Shaker Cox problem. They said out at this radio program that he was on out in North pole, which is an isolated radio station. But that got that plan to get rid of him got uh, stifled when the owner of the property came out, wondering what all these armed people were doing out there. And so then he, he went on to gain fame as a local guy sticking up for law enforcement. He started a, uh, a Liberty Bell program where if you wanted somebody to come 
and be a witness, just a witness to what was going on between you and the police. Like maybe you were the only person or whatever you could do that. And I thought it was a good thing. And I was on the thing and you know, it's uh they would call you and you go just be a witness. Brian, if, if I can jump in. So he started the, uh, the Liberty bell program or whatever coalition, whatever you call it. Uh, that was prior to his, to his run for office or was that after he ran for office? That was after that. And then he, he did that, and then he had the uh, the peacekeepers militia, which amounted to I think there were maybe seven people in the thing. About seven people in a in a peacekeeper militia, but it was a neighborhood group, you know. And he is a nonviolent type guy, so they were trying to press him into. The FBI came to town trying to trying to provoke him into some violence in order to get bring charges against him. And when we so talk about. Get, uh, when we talk about what a, a militia, what this militia is, uh, it's not a traditional militia in the sense that they're actually being a corporal punishment. Uh, it's more of a uh, like a neighborhood watch group. It's voluntary, and uh, I believe you. It's a constitu- It's a constitutional militia. It's the militia described in the Constitution. You know, that's what we go by. And this was uh, in Alaska, right? I'm assuming it's, it's probably pretty pretty common. They're maybe not common, but I'm just probably other militias in Alaska, I would assume. Oh, yeah, there's other militias, I guess. But this was, it's just a neighborhood group of people that were protecting their families and their neighborhoods and watching neighborhoods and stuff like we do, like Neighborhood Watch, similar, same thing. And uh, and they uh, came into town and because he knew too much about what was going on with the corruption, they came into town, set him up and... and uh, and so so-called infiltrated his militia, which, which amounted to going in the backyard when he was having a barbecue. And uh, so they pressured Mr. Cox into, tried to pressure him into a corner and get him to start some sort of violence. And he refused to do it. He's a Christian and he is a, describes himself as a, as a Gandhi, not a Rambo. So the whole time this was being done with undercover informants that are getting paid up to maybe $300,000 by the FBI per conviction. Am I right about that? Yeah, there was a couple, at least a couple of informants and they were getting paid and they offered them, uh, they offered to drop charges against them that they had for one guy was installing septic tanks or something, taking money. And there was a couple of felonies involved. Plus they were, drug runners for hell's angels one guy one of them was and so and so uh they were paid three hundred thousand dollars like you say a piece or so to pin something on this guy and they could never get anything on so i made up phony charges the state of alaska had a uh a uh case against mr cox but they dropped the entire case and the feds picked it up and just added on all these phony charges, like the like uh, Schaefer supposedly had some some hand grenades. But I think it was grenades that the that the perpetrators of the crime dropped off, but they were just inert hand grenades. They weren't even so Schaefer Cox gets charged for for weapons charges, and one thing was the hand grenades. Another thing was uh, a uh, one of these things you buy at the boat store to signal flare for your boat you know you're carrying your boat mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that but then they used that all this sort of thing and got charges against him and set him up with a phony trial and 
let's if we can backtrack for or i don't know if it's backtracking but go back to sort of the the build up to the trial to kind of set the stage cuz i don't know how familiar my listeners are with this some of them might have have no idea um so we um and whoever wants to take this uh Brian or Jacob take it but uh you know the the corruption i mean the corruption i've read about you know had to do with and i didn't even realize this or think about it but alaska i guess the two there's really two cities in alaska right and uh any drugs that come into alaska are going to come through those cities and i guess Schaefer was exposing some of that and was there also an element of um was there you know child sex trafficking going on too to some degree that he was exposing or oh, what? there was everything yep. what's the story yeah. behind that this, this has to do with the fact that uh uh Schaefer actually knew somebody uh who had been a, a victim of uh i believe child abuse that was probably linked to drug drug trafficking task force and uh i don't for for whatever reason when he started this liberty bell network uh, and when he was running for office, there were about six families or so that approached him with uh, uh, child abuse issues that the police weren't going to do anything about. And uh, it seems that there's uh, there's a strong suspicion that there's uh, a lot of uh, a drug task force uh, uh, pedophilia issues that are going on. Um, yeah, if, no doubt. If we don't know... Uh, the background of this uh, in Alaska, this is a, a local political issue. There was a man uh, named Joseph Bohm, and uh, there's some articles about him on a website called Alaska Unsilenced, and I can get some links for that at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Bohm was a, a businessman, and he was convicted of child trafficking, uh, and uh, he was having sex with a minor. Uh, who was the daughter of someone who worked on happened happened to be worked on Senator Ted Stevens' home in the famous uh, Ted Stevens bribery uh, situation? And the reason I bring that up is that uh, you know there were about six families that had uh, child trafficking issues that uh, had had complained to Schaefer Cox to see if he could help investigate and maybe uh, help out with the situation and. Uh, I think that the evidence is pretty strong that there's 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 something going on in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Alaska, which is supporting uh, the the child uh, is supporting uh, child molesters. So apparently, there's a pedo ring which has participation in the U.S. Attorney's Office in uh, in Alaska. That would be my assessment. But what do you think of that, Brian? That's possible. There's just corruption everywhere. Because what, one of there, the things, I knew that's what Schaefer was bringing up. He was bringing up this subject, and yeah. that's that's what led to his his whole demise. You know, yeah. And Schaefer actually made a letter called "Narco Pervs" that, that that says that he th- he thinks that uh, there's a lot of uh, child molesters that are actually inside the Alaska judiciary because of the way the judiciary is structured and the way it has been compromised historically. So he put out a letter about that, and that that's the most likely uh, the political reason behind why he was targeted in the, targeted in the first place. Yes, I so yeah. There's some reason. I guess what I'm getting at there. Yeah, some reason he's targeted is maybe it was a couple of reasons. Maybe it's because of the militia. Maybe it was because of him exposing this corruption and this uh, child sex abuse. But I mean, 
and and uh, Brian was going through the the list of reasons. And I mean, it, this is crazy stuff. When, when you when you read uh, about the Schaefer Cox story, I don't know if you guys can kind of go into details on some of the the FBI tactics that were used because this is just nuts, just off the wall nuts. Um, a guy by the name of I guess Bill Fulton was one of the FBI yeah FBI investigators. FBI dispatch yeah, undercovers. And yeah, Bill, Bill Fulton's a big part of it. <laughs> he was trying to convince Schaefer to go on a shooting spree a couple times or Yeah. Yeah, he was they were trying to get Schaefer to, to go on a shooting spree and Schaefer was uh he came over to my house obviously shaken and it must have been after this we we figured it out later and then I found out there are more witnesses than were than I ever knew of years ago. There's about six people I know of that that would have been witness. And one of those guys uh, was there was Schaefer when this happened, when they pulled a knife on him, they were going to, you know, let this guy bleed out at the feet. And uh, he was a witness. Schaefer came over to my house and he was kind of white, you know, like a sheep. And he was started rambling on about, you know, what he's doing, everything he's doing is legal. And I said, yeah, I know. And going on and on about this, what's going on. He says, his militia has taken a mind of its own. He says, he says, I'm being pushed and I don't want to go there, you know, and he didn't know what to do. And man, I said, I don't know. You know, I didn't realize what was going on. And then, but then we put it together later. And, uh, so. Yeah, so what's happening is. And this the guy had happened to me and this other guy, we would have been witnesses that it would have been called. And there were six witnesses that never were. Six witnesses were not called to defend Schaefer by his attorney. And that's one reason he's got inadequate counsel is one of his problems that he brought up. So what happened with these tactics is this Bill Fulton as an undercover informant is uh, pretending to be a you know, voluntary uh, militia member in the, in this like neighborhood watch group, which basically means he's, he starts out by just by going to a, to a barbecue and uh, uh, you know, it ends up with uh, you know, death threats. And things like that, and trying to get uh, Schaefer to get involved in some kind of crime, you know, which is just about as far away from Schaefer's Schaefer's uh, you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, this uh, Bill Fulton's just a, a real piece of work. Uh, he actually wrote a book. Uh, what's the name of his book, Brian? Do you remember? Yeah, I got it right here. It is. Uh, it's called "The Blood of Patriots: How I Took." down an anti-government militia with beer, bounty hunting, and badassery. Well, so now, and that is put out by, uh, it's by Bill Fulton and Gene Devon, Ben Bella Books, 2017, 300-page book, and Larry Klayman has filed $185 million, two lawsuits totaling $185 million against Fulton, Gene Devon, and Ben Bella Books. And, ben, and Bill Fulton is now has his name changed and is now a uh, protected federal witness, believe it or not. Believe that one or not. Wow. Yeah. So they paid him all this money. They let him off of all his, his felonies that he had done. They hide him. They pay him money to, to hook up and uh, help convict this innocent man. Isn't that wonderful? And we've proven this. We've proven that the Anchorage federal prosecutors lied to get a prosecution. They stole up to the FBI, stole up to $3 million 
of Schaefer Cox's defense money. And uh, Anchorage prosecutors lied to get a conviction. We've proven all this stuff. And uh, it's pretty amazing. So now Larry Klayman of Freedom Watch is is one of the attorneys. And there's a, there's a $12,600,000 lawsuit against uh, people in the FBI and that company that took the, the donations that got stolen by the FBI. There's a lawsuit against that. And, yeah, there were still informants coming in after the fact and uh, screwed up the co- the collection of his legal fees. Yeah, yeah, they took the money away and he can't defend him. So, so he might have been out of prison by now if the government hadn't uh, pulled that thing. You know, it's it's really unbelievable. And I mean, just a, a, another another one of these tactics. So, if one of you guys can kind of explain what happened here, there was another undercover agent, R.J. Olson, who, if I'm getting this right, he basically s- sabotaged Schaefer's vehicle so it wouldn't work. And then I, I guess Schaefer was trying, get, trying to leave the country or go to Canada at that point. I don't know if that's correct or not. Because has his vehicle You're sabotaged right. and this R.J. Olson is con- you know, conveniently says, well, you can stay at my house and keep some in his attic with his family, right? Two young kids at the time, three-week-old baby. Um, basically keeps him kidnapped. I don't know if it's against his will or not in his attic. Yeah, well, it's kidnapping because it's based on on deceit, and it basically amounts to like a, sort of True. like a, an extortion. Yeah. As this is kidnapping in Alaska law, we had this from uh, Robert John, is uh, one of Schaefer's early attorneys. And uh, uh, see, the situation there is that Schaefer, because he was being uh, threatened. Uh, with all this this violence that the informants were threatening to do, uh, he was trying to avoid that by uh, by uh, leaving leaving the state, mm-hmm. and he couldn't leave the state uh, in a situation because he had a minor uh, a criminal charge pending. So uh, the informants offered to smuggle him out, and uh, during this whole situation. Uh, they ended up kidnapping his family to try and stop him from leaving leaving Alaska. So, the, really, this is beyond entrapment. I mean, it's uh, the is there any yeah. number of felonies the FBI can't uh, uh, can't get away with committing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, certainly not super. You always hear these cases of uh, you know the FBI, you know, air quotes catches a, a terrorist, and it's always somebody they set up and they. You know, they, they buy the materials for them and set them up. And this is what they were trying to do here. They were trying to set Schaefer up as, as a terrorist, essentially. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, when there's no absolutely no inclination for him to commit a terrorist act. It's completely contrived. Mm-hmm. What, what were you saying, Brian? Yeah, the local newspaper and the Fairbanks Daily News Miner went along with it. And to this day, they describe Schaefer as a, a sovereign citizen. Well, he, Schaefer said he never heard of sovereign citizen before his trial and it was brought up by an attorney accusing him of being one. And so if you look up sovereign citizen, there's a, there's a definition by Scott Eric Rosenstiel, sovereign citizen. And that is the one that we all are, if we are American citizens. And so was George Washington, a sovereign citizen. But if you look up sovereign citizen alone, it will pop up the definition that they use against Schaefer Cox, which is the opposite of a good guy. 
make him out to be the nut anti-government terrorist running around town shooting and starting fires or something, you know? And so they make him out to be this guy, and I call him down there, and this, this outfit, the newspaper will not retract that statement from that newspaper for no, for no good reason. You know, it's otherwise, otherwise they're being told to. They're being told to print this baloney about this innocent man and refuse to get the story straight after over eight years. Yes, it's part of your agenda to make people think that people who support the Constitution or that are interpatriotic are uh, uh, nutcases. And they're just trying to lump everything together, you know, so people are afraid of conspiracies, theorists, and, and just not people who question 9-11 and things like that. So it's just well, a very eloquent speaker. Yeah, and it, do you Shaper. think do you think that's part of the reason why they were going after him? Because he was a very, obviously, getting 38% of the vote at 24 years old. I mean, if you watch some of these speeches he gave on YouTube. Sure. I mean, he's a you know a clean cut looking guy. It looks like uh, you know somebody that could be your neighbor and you know somebody you could trust immediately upon seeing. Do you think that played into the reason they went after him because he was, you know, advocating for the principles of liberty and people were oh, listening he was a, to him? Yeah, he's a charismatic speaker. He would get up there, and I've seen him. You know, he just makes sense and he tells it like it is and straight from the Constitution. He sounds like one of the founding fathers the way he speaks. You know, and that's from just as a kid they grew up. His dad is a, a current Baptist minister in Fairbanks. His mother's a retired teacher, and and uh, father's a, a West Point graduate. So the kids grew up with quite a, a knowledge of America, the way the founding fathers described it. So he runs for office and wins 38% of the vote with that. You know, that's what he was doing. And then he was exposing all this corruption going on. So they said, wow, he's getting all these people together. I've seen him with 500 people in several different churches around here at different times. And in Denny's, too, talking to people, you know, and he's absolutely right. So he's down in Denny's and he had this court for himself. This court, it's brilliant the way he did it. He had this court in there and he had a, a conservative uh, common law judge on the phone from someplace and he presented the case and and we all are witnesses and his jury of peers found him absolutely not guilty but the feds came in there and uh, ushered him off to anchorage and got a conviction you know so he he didn't get a, ju a, a jury of his peers he never got evidence evidence was denied exonerating they ganged up on him and uh put him in prison to save their own hides from the from the uh, exposure, you know, because he was exposing them. All these people knew this stuff. When Same we, thing. Uh, Go ahead. Well, when, when we look at the actual uh, federal case where he got convicted, that he's convicted on now, uh, it's unbelievable the due process violations that happen in, in this situation. Uh, they uh, dismiss so many things. Uh, they don't let you admit evidence. They cut up his tapes. They withheld tapes from. They withheld uh, the ability to admit exculpatory evidence. Uh, they did this thing where instead of let, letting him uh, admit an entire conversation, they they cut up the conversation and and had uh, used hearsay rules. They abused the hearsay rules to so that the jury could not hear the entire conversation in context. And so uh, when you put a situation like that where, you know, Schaefer doesn't even know he's being recorded, 
and the informant is trying to provoke him, which is, by the way, is, is, is illegal entrapment. And uh, uh, plus they can edit the tapes. I mean, uh, who couldn't make a jury, you know, be suspicious of, of the situation? I mean, what he got convicted on was a murder conspiracy against uh, an, un, uh, an unnamed target. So there's just some unspecified target out there. There's an imaginary, uh, imaginary federal agents that have no names, they have no offices, uh, and there's just some imaginary federal agents which Schaefer supposedly was going to uh, defend himself against if they tried to murder him and his family. Yeah. So how, so how can you have conspiracy to, to commit murder against a person that's not real? Exactly. In the appeals, they actually brought up the example of, can you conspire to murder Mickey Mouse? Yeah. So, so they dropped the conspiracy to commit murder, but they've got the one, what's the other one left? Well, they dropped murder solicitation based on some kind of evidentiary thing, and then they let a murder conspiracy stay. So that's oh. uh, the Ninth Circuit, their goofy way the Ninth Circuit works. It's one of the most liberal circuit in America. Yeah, that court needs to go away bad. They need to break it up and just make a make a different circuit for Alaska. Where does his case stand right now? He still has the the conspiracy to commit murder charge against him. Does he have a, is he able to appeal still? Has he exhausted his appeals or where does that stand? Uh he can still have another round because uh he's going into the post trial. Uh he's already tried to go to the Supreme Court and they wouldn't uh take it, but he's still got things he can do. Uh, that could still end up in the Supreme Court based on the post-trial motions. And uh, there's just, there's a lot of crazy things. I mean, he'll still have habeas corpus and, you know, quorum, quorum nobis type uh, things. They call it 2255 motions. And I'm sure there's plenty of issues that can arise there that could still end up in the appellate courts. So he might have another chance. Uh, nonetheless, it's a good idea to help him out in uh, recommending a pardon. So we all know that Trump pardoned the pardoned the Hammonds. Mm-hmm. So that would be uh, probably his best course of action at the moment. Uh, let's talk a little bit about where, where they're keeping them. They're keeping them in a place called a communications management unit. And what are the conditions yeah. like in that unit, Brian? The conditions are primitive, to say the best. And I, and I uh, got the word from Schaefer, and then there's another guy in there that was his girlfriend sent me this and want me to get this out. And I did, I sent it to a guy that can't remember his name. that was writing a book about what's going on in the prisons. And it's just, this is a prison built in, I think it was 1936. And, uh, this guy says, uh, it was over a hundred degrees inside. And if the heat index is high, you have to basically sit down and try not to move to keep from passing out. There are roaches as big as mice. Window in the cell has inadequate screening. You're bit by mosquitoes. Worse living under a worse than living under a bridge. Uh, it just goes. The plumbing is very bad. Cell next to you flushes the toilet and ends up in your toilet. Here are some cells that have had the toilets removed. Uh, it says, uh, "Sweetheart, I'm seriously thinking about having you get everyone to start calling OSHA and have them inspect this place." It's very unhealthy and on and on like that. He's talking about this stuff. And if the prison finds out that he's getting this word out, he's going to go in the hole. And the hole is just, Schaefer told me it stinks and it's got like vomit on the walls. It's an old cement hole they put you in. 
and you stay in there for you know 30 days and don't tell anybody about it etc and i don't know why the people of uh why the people put up with that stuff and maybe they don't know about it what around uh marion illinois and Terre Haute, indiana these places are run that's what's going on these people are being tortured it's murder it's it's uh murder by prison like in shaper's case he's got he's got uh scurvy and basically they have lousy food you know you can imagine they don't want him around they want to get rid of him you know I call up all the Alaska representatives do absolutely nothing except lie to us and put us out, tell us to leave them alone, et cetera, you know, after we confront them and everything else. So they're all part of it. So I just, uh, I don't bother them anymore. The I just go on with what I do. The communication management unit is something that was unconstitutionally created uh, because it's unconstitutional because it, it gives the CIA uh, control over uh, things happening inside the uh, jurisdiction of the Bureau of Prisons. And so we actually have Homeland Security and CIA uh, controls on what is happening uh, inside these uh, uh, with, with people that are, that are um, uh, what's, the, what's the word they use, Brian? Uh, people that have inspirational value. That's how they get designated, right? If they have inspirational value, then they get transferred. Well, like, like I said, like a charismatic speaker and knowledgeable and I mean, that what you mean? They have inspirational value. That's yeah, total yeah, violation. So, what what types of other other people are there? Like, what what is the population mostly comprised of? Supermajority are jihadis or suspected jihadis. So, this is yeah. a very dangerous uh, situation for the minority of uh, Christians there. I, I have the uh, the email or the uh, you can Google the the lawsuit that was put out against Eric Holder at all about these CMU prisons. If you want to write down this, it is, uh, look up a R E F as in Frank E T A. Let me start over a R E F comma E T space a L period space V period. Boulder, H-O-L-D-E-R, comma, et al. A-R-E-F-E-T-A-L versus Holder, et al. And that pops up uh, a little lawsuit that's going on in the experimental prisons, you know, and they're experimenting on keeping, like they're experimenting on Schaefer Cox by keeping, keeping him locked up for four, uh, eight years, 4,000 miles from his family and seeing his, his children one day out of eight years. This is their experiment, you know? I mean, come on, Nazi Germany, here we go, you know? It's time to put a stop to this garbage, get rid of those people if they have to get the get the, uh, the governor or somebody to go in there with a National Guard or something. I mean, these guys, it's a torture prison. The guys are being beaten and they're not expected to. There was one guy that died, what was his name? About a month and a half ago, a guy died in there. He was he had a good case going, and I worry about Schaefer. He had a good case going, and they did uh, him in. He was stabbed to death by. Yeah, it might have been a a jihadi, maybe the jihadi. And how could they get? How can these guys? It's communication management unit. Schaefer's under twenty four hours surveillance through glass, and yet 
if somebody finds time enough to go in there and kill these people, like, you know, and nobody kills the jihadis, it's all the good Christians. Why are they in there with the jihadis in the first place? You know, that's all our representatives and none of them will do anything about it. And everybody needs to know because if your sons and daughters out there are good patriotic Americans and they know what's right and wrong and they stick up and they've got a crowd of people that they're, they're telling what's going on, watch out because you might come and get him, you know, no more freedom of speech out there. I heard someone was uh, uh, decapitated uh, as well uh, recently in that CMU, but it's hard to get uh, details about that because they don't want to release the coroner records. Yeah, and then I got word out of there. They were, they were, they were actively trying to cover that up. One person got word to out to somebody else, and out of there, it wasn't Shaver, but somebody else in there got word to somebody that they were covering it up. So if you if they can't, uh, you know, they're going to win one way or another. You know, if they can't hide you in court, they'll block you up in there and make people forget about you. You know, there's people there's people that have been locked up for. 35 years that are not guilty too. So Schaefer even had to sue some of his own attorneys so that he could uh, uh, get out of their, their horrible representation. Am I right about that? Yes. Yeah. He actually had, uh, he actually had an attorney who was trying to make him seem like he was insane. And this was not oh, a good yeah. time to bring oh, yeah. that up, you know, because oh, yeah, that was a, that was what the second court appointed terrible attorney, defense, you know? Yeah. He actually, she actually came out and said that that Schaefer was delusional and needed to remain in prison and have forced therapy, and that was going to help him. So I guess this what they're doing to him is the forced therapy, right? Yeah, she was the one that was anti-gun, right? Oh yeah, she's, she's anti-gun. Second Amendment. So how did how did Schaefer get tied up with her? How did that? Oh, uh, she was a court-appointed attorney. Uh, after after. Uh, the first attorney, Nelson Traverso in Fairbanks, and after, after he sort of, I think they threatened him or something. So he lost the case, you know, of course. And then they gave her to, you know, just to uh, make it look like he had a representation or something. Then she comes up with that in front of him. And that's his, his representation says he's delusional and should remain in prison and have forced therapy. I think I want to know what he did. We fired. I helped him all through all this. Fired her and got another one. Another more of the same, you know, and, and then he wouldn't, they wouldn't even let him use Robert John, the attorney that got him off of all the Alaska state charges in the first place. They wouldn't let him use that guy, you know. What do you mean they wouldn't he let was, him use him? He, he was. Oh, they, what was it they had? They had some excuse, I forget. Some excuse that the guy, I forget what they used for an excuse to not let him have Robert John, but yeah, I don't know about that specific situation, but I know sometimes, you know, you can't have a, an attorney, an attorney's not allowed to represent uh, when they might be a witness because that's considered uh, a, a disqualifying motion situation. Yeah. Yeah. Conflict yeah. of interest. <clears throat> okay. It's just like what they're doing to Trump now, you know, they're just pushing stuff through and pushing stuff through and they, and they've gotten away with it. Yeah. On, they didn't get away with it on Senator Ted Stevens, but they they got their hands slapped. But 
and one of them committed suicide over that one. Yeah, more than likely, this the situation with Senator Ted Stevens is part of the same uh, same kind of operation. I think they just they target Ted Stevens so they could pass Obamacare, you know, and they target people yeah, like Schaefer Cox it. because they're considered a political threat. Uh, Schaefer yeah. Cox, as I understand it, was actually uh, getting uh, Ron Paul type points put in the Alaska GOP platform. So, uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of people that don't like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're. And of course, it's, oh, it's uh, going after their power. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> the government. The state wants more power. For sure, yeah, it all comes down from Obama down the filters down. There was Karen Loeffler at the time; she's gone now. And then Loretta Lynch, Eric Holder, Charles Samuels. And then there's the attorney prosecutor Joseph Bottini, Scrocky, and Lamoro are the the ones that pulled this. And Scrocky is a oh man. Yvonne Lamoureux, for her part in it, she got promoted to federal judge now. She's not just a prosecutor. She got she got a new job for her part. So the, the prosecution against Schaefer was mainly carried out by Yvonne Lamoureux and Stephen Scrocky, isn't that right? Yeah, Scrocky, Botini, and of course Loeffler was there. Yeah, but Botini was involved too, and that's important because Botini is part of this polar pen operation that targeted Ted Stevens. And so we have this uh, this uh, a suspicion here that uh, there might be a, a link and a very similar mode of operation at the least. So what happened with the Ted Stevens trial? He, he was not convicted, right? Yeah, Ted Stevens was uh, – there was a, a guilty verdict, I believe – uh, but he it was thrown out because uh, there was a lot of misconduct. Uh, the misconduct uh, tip, uh, basically amounted to the fact that the DOJ uh, made a plea deal with one of the witnesses. Mm-hmm. It was that it was Bill Allen of Vico, which is an oil services company, and uh, Bill Allen was having uh, sex under with an underage uh, woman and an underage girl about sixteen years old, and. Uh, this was uh, used as leverage, which uh, the jury certainly should have found out about. Is that uh, something you can impeach a witness on? Of course, the jury has absolutely has a right to know if the DOJ can throw someone in jail and if the DOJ is doing plea deals with someone. Which doesn't stop the DOJ from doing that routinely mm-hmm. in other cases. Yeah, that's how they operate in a lot of ways. That's how the FBI uh, gets things done. Mm-hmm. They uh, make... Uh, uh, plea deals with people, and if they don't uh, say the version of the version of quote unquote truth that uh, they want to hear, uh, they go to jail. You know, we see this going on with Jerome Corsi right now. He's being pressured to lie. Yeah, so, same thing. This really FBI DOJ is out of hand, and what they need to do is they just need to bring back private prosecutions like we had in the 1800s. And forget about this uh, public prosecution thing where they have a giant uh, uh, multi-billion dollar you know, pyramid of uh, uh, prosecutors that are, that are potentially corrupt. Mm-hmm. Citizens grand juries. That's what we yeah. need. If it was a, a citizens grand jury, Shavery Cox would never be in prison, as wouldn't thousands of them. There's thousands of people with these same kind of convictions. Another one's Charles Dyer. You know, Charles Dyer's a good Marine. Convicted on hearsay, his wife, they were getting a divorce. 
and his uh, wife said that that he was uh, fooling around with their little kids, and they just convicted him without any evidence because they're getting a divorce and he wanted custody. So there he sits, 14 years, he's been in prison. Wow. Just disgusting. And what we run into here, it's just disgusting. And the ninth, to get back to the Ninth Circuit and how liberal they are, uh, Schaefer, as I understand it, Schaefer's indictment was not even returned in open court, which is something that, you know, in Magna Carta countries is unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Ninth Circuit just seems to think we're like living in Central Europe or something, and that doesn't matter. You know, they think that you can just return an indictment into a chambers privately to, to a secretary, you know, to a clerk, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the kind of thing that they do. So, you know, there's questions raised about, are we even sure there, there was a grand jury indictment? I mean, and another thing is there were like four indictments uh, which is, which in my opinion is a violation of double jeopardy, but I guess this is the way things are done. Uh, most people are surprised to find out that you can be tried in a grand jury like four times. But uh, uh, it wasn't until the fourth indictment that Schaefer's surprised with this, this thing about suddenly he's supposed to have committed a murder conspiracy against uh, an unnamed target. Yeah. That was like 18 months into the whole prosecution, wasn't it? 12 or 18 months even. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Can you imagine being surprised with something like that when you think all you're going to be talking about is the second amendment? It's got to be drain you financially. You're just drained financially and locked up. So what, what is, I know we talked exonerating evidence, no exonerating evidence. You're, you're, you're talking about the uh, exculpatory evidence that was blocked from, yeah, he would have been. He would never have gone to prison with it if if he had used us. If he had access to his uh, eyewitnesses and physical evidence. Yeah, you know this. This reminds me. I know they're very different the cases, but this reminds me a lot of the what, uh, Ross Ulbricht and his trial. There was a lot of evidence. A lot of evidence there that was blocked as well, and he was another individual who was going against the grain, and. Uh, the government had to take them down. Yeah, so that's where all our leaders are that won't that want to stand up and you know and, and ha- ones that would have town hall meetings and stuff like that, like Schaefer did. There are thousands of them in prison. Believe it or not, we know. I guarantee you. So I, I know that uh, in the links that, uh, that Jacob sent me, that, that Schaefer is able to communicate a little bit to the outside through letters and some of these letters are posted on a, on a blog on, and I'm sure Brian can give the, uh, give the website, but I know in one of the, in one of them, he was talking about that because so many people have been calling the prison and complaining about Schaefer's treatment that he speculates. That's one of the reasons that they put him in solitary confinement. Sure. He's being punished because he's getting the word out how, what's going on. And they just want to keep those guys in there and manage their communications is what they're called to do. You know, manage the community. He gets 15 minutes a week on the phone, far as I can know, and, and does have email. But then when he goes in the hole, he loses all his emails and they dock him. Uh, I, I was off. I've been off over years. I've been off for many months that they wouldn't allow him to say anything to anybody. And then they cut off. 
they cut off his secretary, Angela, cut Angela off from seeing from him. She's the one that handles his money and does everything for him, and they're no longer no longer allowed to communicate. Yeah, and when they do that, they uh, they can just come up with something that's so completely totalitarian. They can say something like, "Well, if you quoted something from something else that weren't your words, then that's circumvention of the communication control." And uh, wow, they can just. It's, it's basically yeah. about the most totalitarian, you know, denial of due process, uh, criminal system that you can imagine. I mean, truly, yeah. domestic terrorists are the people working in government that are trying to do these things. They oh, exactly. uh, want to set an example to anyone who thinks you might actually exercise your constitutional rights. Yeah. So, what, what can people do if they want to help? What, what are some avenues to either donate monetarily or to just help in any way to get the word out? To get the word out, tell everybody to tell everybody. And yeah. uh, share this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Tune in. Best, tune in here. <laughs> best thing they can do is get the word out. And uh, let's go ahead and give out Larry the Klayman. websites. Uh, the main Support website Larry is Free Schaefer, freeschafer.com. That's F-R-E-E-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R.com. Okay. And if people are interested in looking at court materials, uh, there's another website uh, called SchaeferForStateHouse.com. And uh, there's also uh, some YouTube channels. There is uh, Free Schaefer is one. Another is uh, Year of Jubilee. That's Rudy Davis's channel. Uh, he's been covering Schaefer Cox for a real long time now. That's year, uh, excuse me, it's uh, Lone Star 1776. Uh, his website is Year of Jubilee, but his uh, YouTube is uh, Lone Star 1776. Okay. And uh, I'm going uh, so to link all these links on the show notes page for today's show, which I said it at the top, but I'll say it again. It's lionsofliberty.com slash FF160. I'm going to put all the links that Brian sent me um, I'll link the YouTube videos, embed them right there so people can find it all in one place because they're, I mean, I, I encourage anyone and everyone to, to go down this rabbit hole to really investigate and understand uh, the true injustice here because it, it, will, it will make you sick. It made, it's made me sick learning about it. And there's also a video you can go on YouTube and look out a video called Framed by the FBI, question mark, the story of Shaker Cotton. That's a 30-minute video, and it's all back. And, and that's only, you know, that's, that'll start getting you inter interested in it there. But there's, there's a lot of tentacles from there out, you know. But that'll give you the whole basic story for about 30 minutes there. Pretty amazing. There's a movie out, supposed to be coming out about it, called Plan 241, but it's not out yet because whatever reason. You know. But well, it's going to be a movie. And, and Schaefer's got books out. What is the name of his book? Uh, he has a book called The Lost Lyrics of Schaefer Cox. Oh, yeah. Uh, he also has written some uh, children's stories. One is called The Way of the Sea, as which I, I especially like that one. Uh, the other is called Ace and Baron. And uh, he also has a short story called uh, Lions or Needles, which I also particularly liked. Uh, he really is a, a literary talent. This is the, one of the people we need to make America great again. 
and they know that. So they lock them up. Yeah. And didn't Jordan page, isn't he about to release a song about Schaefer Cox? Uh, Jordan was just yeah. on this, this previous Monday actually was just on our Monday show with host Mark Claire. And I think I remember correctly that, that he said that. Yeah. I'm not sure when that comes out, but. And pray everybody pray for Schaefer Cox. Donate to Larry Clayman, Schaefer Cox. Tell everybody that, you know, you don't know because we're next, you know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'll, another, I'll just give you guys, you know, if yeah, if you want to say, give you guys each a, a minute here to say say some parting words. So uh, Brian, you want or uh, Jacob, you want to go first? Well, I'll just say that uh, one one thing to remember about Schaefer Cox's situation is this is, I think this is mostly motivated by attack on the family. Uh, they went after his children. They tried to take his children uh, to Alaska Child Services, and he tried to defend himself with an attorney, and they. They wouldn't put up with that. So uh, this is a very much a family breaking up a fam- issue of breaking up families. Yeah, he's got he's got a little boy that what is it? The kid's ten, and his little daughter is younger and hasn't seen him one time in all these years. It's just disgusting. These people are evil. They need to be hunted down. In the old days, in the 1880s, they had hung these people. That's what they need. I'll tell you that. But they need to be hung. Well, I want to thank you guys for for coming on the show and uh, taking some time out of your days. You know, I know this is something that you're both very passionate about. And uh, mm-hmm. thank you for helping to to educate others, to educate myself, bringing this to my attention, and uh, keep up the good fight. Okay, good deal. Thanks. I want to tell you guys about a new podcast, friend of the show, friend of Lions of Liberty, Rachel Kennerly. Uh, She has a a new podcast that focuses on cannabis. She brings on, much like Felony Friday, where I bring on people to share their story about their experience in the criminal justice system, Rachel brings on people to share their stories about how they've used cannabis to heal themselves, how they've used medicinal cannabis to find healing. The show is called Cannabis Heals Me. And on the show so far, um, she's interviewed a couple who has a child with epilepsy using the cannabis to, to treat the epilepsy, someone with a traumatic brain injury, a lupus survivor, and a woman who has a medical condition referred to as suicide disease. Uh, they publish one episode per week. You can find the episodes wherever you find podcasts, or you can check out the website at CannabisHealsMe.com. All right, let's get back to today's show. Hope you guys really enjoyed today's episode. And I know enjoying it, saying you enjoyed it is uh, is hard to say when we're talking about just a disgusting, despicable case like this, a horrible, horrible injustice that Schaefer Cox is suffering from. I want to thank Brian Christie and Jacob Scheffler for coming on the show. Um, I think I misspoke during the episode when I was talking about um, who had sent me a bunch of links and whatnot. just want to highlight that Jacob um, was instrumental in pulling this together. I want to thank him for that, sending me uh, a lot of links to research this case and learn about it myself. So I thank Jacob for that. And I thank Brian for coming on the show to talk about his friend, uh, Schaefer, Schaefer Cox, who is suffering big time. And Brian's known Schaefer since, uh, since before the arrest. He was friends with him when this whole thing went down. Should have been called to testify. <clears throat> 
and uh, if things would have gone differently and he was called to testify and he was called to testify, I'm sure that Schaefer would probably be a free man today. So, you know, I really do want to encourage you guys to uh, go to the show notes page. I'll say it again one more time. Lionsofliberty.com slash FF160. There's going to, there's more content, more links, more videos than I've ever had on a show notes page for Felony Friday. I, I'm passionate about this case. I'm passionate about getting word out about the case of Schaefer Cox. And I want you guys to become passionate too. So that is why I'm dumping all this information out here. I encourage you to go down the rabbit hole, to learn everything uh, there is to know about this case, and then to become an advocate um, to, uh, re- to f- an advocate for release, an advocate for freedom, an, ad- an advocate for justice for Schaefer Cox. So please check out the show notes page. Check out all that information. Please share this episode. Uh, please tweet Donald Trump. Tweet this episode to, to Donald Trump. Call for clemency. Reach out to... Uh, to uh, people in the uh, the clemency movement, in the uh, the commutation movement, people in the criminal justice reform movement, and let them know about this injustice. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of people, probably on uh, both the left and the right, that look at this case and they see, they don't look at the details, they just see what the media narrative is. And we got to break through that. We got to bust through that narrative. And the way to do that is just to know the case inside and out, and to uh, encourage them to listen to podcasts like this and to watch the uh, fantastic YouTube videos that are out there talking about this case. So, you know, guys, there's not a whole lot more to say about this. I I said my piece uh, at the top of the show about joining the Pride. We definitely want you guys to be a part of our group, our community that's growing here at Lions of Liberty. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And that's really all I got to say, guys. Please learn about this case, share this episode, uh, tweet Donald Trump, and ask for freedom. Ask for uh, a commutation of uh, uh, Schaefer Cox's sentence because this is absolutely ridiculous what this patriot is going through. That's all I got, guys. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.